Well, if you get a chance, um, listen to the Sunday School lesson from this morning. <laughs> um, I think it was a very important one in our understanding of God's uh, great love and His Spirit and the uh, boundless, uh, boundless presence of God from the furthest, ex- a- a- furthest places in the universe to the very place in our heart. So it's, a, it's an important lesson, so that would be uh, one, to, to one to listen to. Uh, this morning, I was uh, the, the title of my sermon I sent to Jose was The God of Comfort. And uh, I walked in this morning and says, Jose, how about we change the title? <laughs> of course, he smiled and said yes, but he didn't really mean it. I know. <laughs> no changes at the last minute. So anyhow, I turned it to Love Comforts. And uh, the reason I, I changed it to Love Comfort is that this week is Valentine's Day. So I even wore Rhonda put out a red shirt for me, you know, to wear so that I would be more Valentine-y. <laughs> That's not a word, but I know so. Uh, but, uh, but we're grateful for God's love, the love of comfort. Now, uh, a couple of things that we want to maybe think of. One is when we think of God's love for us. Now, we hear it a lot, you know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever... Us, believe in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. So when we look at the God who occupies the universe, (laughs) and that God is involved in every aspect of life, we see his creation, the trees, the the, the dirt, the, the grasshopper, the sunsets, the clouds, the storms, the rain, the snow, the, the, the warmth of summer, wherever we are at, God is there. And we see his handiwork, and we see his creativity, and we see his creation. But sometimes when we think of love, we would think that God would, you know, he would be this benevolent grandfather that would give us whatever we wanted. You know, it's like the one um, parent said to their son, the, the guy that you see there, that grandfather of yours, he didn't raise me because <laughs> what he is to you, he's not that way to me. You know, he's given you money. I had, you know, he had to walk to school uphill both ways. And, you know, so uh, anyhow, that, that benevolent grandfather is somebody who's just waiting to dump stuff out of the, out of the universe onto our, into our bosoms and our, our, our lives. And it's not that way. God's love for us is personal. God's love for us is universal. God's love for us is something that he has given and he has done it in such a way that the God of the universe, the God who is everywhere present, the God who spoke all this into existence, it it was impossible for him to die. So what happens is that God had to become like us, his creation, in order for, for God to pay that sacrifice for our failure. Now, God didn't fail. We failed. And in order for God, who loved us and loves us, in order for us to maintain this or to come back to that original um, aspect of creation, where we are one with him and we walk with him, just as Adam Adam and Eve did in the cool of the day, they walked with God and they were friends. And so in order for that place of relationship to be reestablished, God had to become like us so that he could die. See, God couldn't die as God. He had to become like us, so he became like us in order that we might become like him. 
So we have the life and the teachings of Jesus, and we have the crucifixion of Christ, and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed so that the sin of our life would be washed away. Jesus was laid in a tomb, and he rose three days later, and because he lives, we shall live also. So we have this God who loves us to the extent that he was willing to become like us and pay the punishment for our sin, for the things that we've done wrong. Okay, now, what happens then in our relationships? And we discussed this a little in Sunday school. What happens in our relationships is sometimes we feel obligated. Okay, we're obligated to God. You know, um, the obligation many times is misinterpreted and presented as guilt. You know, did you give enough in the offering? That's a little guilt trip that I just, that you know, feel guilty. Did you give enough? Could you have given more? You see, that's a guilt trip. <laughs> but God is not creating guilt. God is creating opportunities in which he is not guilting us to give. He is blessing us to give. So that his blessing that he has, our obligation to God, is not to make him happy. Our obligation to God is to recognize that we are his child. Our obligation to God is to recognize this place of being a son and daughter of Jesus Christ. And that we are in this high level, this supreme level of oneness with Christ. I am in this very special place with Jesus, but so are you. That I am the favorite child of God, but so are you. And in this place of favorite status, we have an obligation to learn that he wants to bless us with all spiritual gifts, that God wants to, he wants to bless our lives in such a way that we will recognize that it is his blessing and that we will give honor and thanks to him for all that he has done. So God is the creator and sustainer of the universe, and he is this one who breathes life into, the, into man, becomes a living soul. He's the same one who breathes in our life and living and moving in us. And he, and he, he guides us by his word and guides us by his spirit, and he, he moves inside of us, but he's not guilting us, you know, pricking us along. He is leading his sheep. He leads us. Now, he leads us to a place where we can be recipients of his blessing. That we, we are not obligated, it is just who we are as a child of God to be able to pray and believe and to, uh, to receive. Now, the, the problem comes, and Jesus talks about it, that the guy who has, you know, big harvest and his, far, and his barns are full, he says, I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to build bigger barns. <laughs> and Jesus calls him a fool. So what God gives to us is not about what we can keep, it's about what we can share. So everything that God has given to us is for a purpose of sharing, and as we recognize this place of oneness with God, we are recipients and we are blessers. We are recipients and we are blessers. You can't give what you don't have. So if we see people in need, we give of what we have doesn't say you give 100%. It says you give a tithe, you give a portion. So we look at our life and what is it that I can share with other people? We have an obligation to God to recognize our position as sons and daughters of God. If we, if we have that position in Christ, 
We do not think it robbery to be equal with God. You know, Jesus said that of the Father, and then he said that of us, that we are one with him. He is one with us. And if we are in this position of place of, of favorite son, we can ask of God who gives to all men. He gives, and he gives, and he gives again. So he gives to us so that we can build bigger barns. No. So that we can tell other people how, how good we have it. No. We can live a godly life so that God's word can shine through our hearts and lives, that we can see and be the testimony of Jesus Christ for people to see the hand of God on our life. You know, so people can see the hand of God on our life. <laughs> people can see the hand of God on our life. That's the most important. That's our obligation. Not to be guilted into doing something, but into feeling led, understanding that God has a, um, a place in us and a place for us in his kingdom. So here's God. <laughs> he knows all things. God does, not, God does not see into the future. God does not remember the past. God is God. All, it's all knowledge before him. He has all knowledge of the future, the past, and who we are. So here we are in this place of God's all knowledge, and we are to understand that the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord, that God has a path for us to live. Now, what happens when we fall down? You get up. What happens if I sin? I get forgiven. I ask for forgiveness. I do not allow my failures to determine where I'm going to walk. My failures are to be given to Christ, and he will then obliterate them, take them away, wash them away by the blood of the Lamb, and that he will continue to establish us in our way of peace and in our way of growth and our way of following the plan of God because God has a flourishing finish. <laughs> you know, God has a flourishing finish for the universe, for our soul. So God has come to establish his kingdom in our hearts and our lives that we would live forever. So therefore, in the light of eternity, in the light of what God wants to do, I am now his servant, depending upon his spirit and his word to form my thoughts, to form my words and my prayers, to establish my walk, to bless the workings of my hand. And therefore, in all of this, God will bless me while I'm blessing others. You know, the farmer plants corn. He plants it. He puts it in the ground. What's he do it for? Because he knows there's going to be a harvest. But there's no harvest unless he plants. And so our giving of and sharing of who we are is a way of planting. And whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So God is blessing us, and we will reap a different harvest. Well, what about the guy who comes along and throws weeds in the field? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Well, what about the mistakes that other people have thrown into my life? Don't worry about it. When the harvest time comes, Jesus said, they'll all be separated. The, you know, it'll all be separated. God will do the separation. You just go on living and thanking and believing. So we find that love comforts. Now, comfort is a word that, uh, to give strength and hope, uh, to ease the grief or trouble. Comfort is to give hope, to ease the, the grief of trouble or trouble. You are relaxed and do not have any physical unpleasant feelings. You are being less worried. Comfort, that's what these, these mean according to the dictionary. Um, makes someone feel less worried or upset, more comfortable, 
make your life at ease. You have all the money and possessions that you need. I like that comfort. Sign me up. <laughs> I have all the money and things. All right, I'm being too materialistic here. Comfort also means to encourage. Inspiration. Comfort means to uplift. It is assurance, reassurance, gladness, happiness, empathy, sympathy. What do you think the opposite of comfort is? Anguish. Distress. Heartache. Heartbreak. Torment. Torture. See, those are the things we need to dump. <laughs> those are the things we need to let go of. The things that torment us. You, th you know... <laughs> The devil can't trip you up with your future. He'll try to keep you from going to it because he'll try to, re he'll try to get you to anguish over your failures. Now, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. So why do we stone ourselves? Why do we look at our life and say, God, I failed you, it's all over, I'm, I'm, a, I'm worth, I did this wrong, did that wrong. Okay, who, who doesn't? fit into that category. All have sinned, all have failed. But God is saying forgiveness, that the blood of Jesus Christ is to comfort. <laughs> comfort. He is not there anguish. He's not there, he's not there uh, keeping, keep, to keep heaping on the failures of the past and the pains of the past. He is there to forgive it and let it go. He tells you don't go digging it up. Don't go dig up those old graves. Don't go dig up those old things. If you want to let it go, then don't remember it. How do you don't remember it? Don't go to the pain. Go to the forgiveness. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> go to the forgiveness. Don't go to what you did wrong. Go to the forgiveness. It is forgiven. The grace of God is my comfort. And the comfort that I have in Christ is that he has is, he is given me the assurance. My sins are forgiven. Now that my sins are forgiven in this place of relationship with God, he is now blessing my life. In the Sunday school lesson this morning, um, the obligation, I wrote it down here somewhere in, for the, today too, um, the obligation that we have to God. You ready for this? The obligation that we have to God is that we recognize that we are his child. That's the obligation. We are his sons and daughters. That, our, that his forgiveness has placed us in a, in a level of kinship with him that we are joint heirs with Christ we've been adopted into the family and as an adopted child I have equal status with Jesus that is our obligation it isn't that we do enough to make God happy it is that we recognize through the study of the scriptures and again this is a right perspective of the word you know not a you know name it claim it get everything and you know look at how big I am I'm gonna build a bigger barn no, look at how great God is and how that he can bless your life right where you're at and that he has given you the talents and the abilities for his spirit to anoint for us to become what God wants us to be in our future. It's not about your past. It's about where we're going. 
If God were going to judge us on our past, we would have no future. But our future is based upon what he is going to do through us in releasing us from our sin and that we can go forward knowing that we have a place in the kingdom of God, that we are his child, and I have an obligation to recognize that I am his child. So, for I am about to do, well, this is a different thing. I want, I want to finish on the, on, the, on the comfort one here. Um, as a mother comforts her child, so I'll comfort you. You will be comforted in Jerusalem. So as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. We have this position. We have this position in life and in our relationship with God where he wants to encourage, he wants to inspire, he wants to uplift, he wants to give us assurance, he wants to reassure us, he wants to bring happiness, joy, not just happening. Happiness deals with happenings, but the happiness that God gives is beyond the happenings, that we in all things can give thanks because we know God has a purpose. Even though we don't see it, we give thanks. Okay, so God wants to bring these things together in our life, and he wants to bless them in such a way that we will become and recognize we are his child. And as his child, I can pray. <laughs> I have an obligation to ask God. Now, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I think of the, uh, I, I know in Sunday school I, I use the same illustration, but sorry. Um, <laughs> you ever have a kiddie pool? Tabby, did you ever have a kiddie pool growing up? One of the little plastic pools, blow-up pools? Big enough for your feet, okay? Not big enough for your feet then, big enough for your feet now. Okay, you had a, you had a kiddie pool. Who else had kiddie pools? Oh, okay, you all had kiddie pools. Now, whenever we think of life now, it's almost like we're fighting for space in a kiddie pool. <laughs> we're, we're, we're adults in this kiddie pool trying to fight and find our place, find our space, pushing and shoving and whatever. And God is saying, that's not who I am. That's not the universe. That we, we can exchange the kiddie pool for the, the ab above-ground pool. <laughs> you know, then we can exchange the above-ground pool for the Olympic swimming pool. And then, of course, we can exchange the Olympic swimming pool for the Great Lakes. And then we can exchange the Great Lakes for all of the oceans. <laughs> and see, we're so worried about our kiddie pool where we've got our foot stuck in and other people are stepping on it. And God is saying, you're not a big fish in a kiddie pool. You are a child of the God of the universe. And nothing is too great for me. And whenever we pray, sometimes we're praying like the kid in the kiddie pool. You know, God, give me more room. Give me what I need. Give me, give me, give me. You know, get these people out of my way. It's crowded in here. God says, step up. Step out. Look at, you know, go to the ocean. <laughs> Look at the love that God has for us, that we can see the love that God has for us, and he is doing something in our life. And the, the scripture says, for I'm about to do, this is Isaiah 43, 19, for I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? <laughs> the challenge for our life, challenge of this message, to see something new that God is going to do. Our focus often 
and, and I understand. <laughs> I deal with people in pain all the time. That our focus is often on our pain because our pain and our anguish demand it. <laughs> but in the demand of our pain and the demand of our, our work and the demands of our, our, of our life, we are called to see God, that he is here with us, and that God is saying, no matter, even if you are here, I have something new for you. Abraham was in the land of Ur of the Chaldees, and God said to Abraham, I want you to go someplace, and when you get there, I'll tell you what it is. (laughs) And so here we are saying, the pastor says that God has a new thing for us. I've already begun, and he he tells us, and I'm saying, "Where, where, where is it? You know, pastor says it's a new place. He's going to do something new. And God is saying, it's in front of you. And we're saying, can I have a map? (laughs) How long is it going to take me to get there? Do I need to take some supplies for this trip? (laughs) You know, and God is saying, no, I'm your source. Start going towards your future. But what about my past? What about it? Everybody has one, (laughs) you know? Everybody has a past. Everybody has a yesterday. So therefore, we learn from it, but we don't take it with us. (laughs) You know, sometimes uh, when Rhonda was going, getting ready to go to Florida with the cheerleaders, you know, Rhonda's one of these individuals that um, um, she has to have at least four of everything. You should see us when we go camping. <laughs> I mean, we got, you know, people come in, and, you know, we were at one place, and somebody comes and says, do you have this? And it's like some strange off-the-wall thing. It says, Ron, yeah, I have that. <laughs> I got that, you know. And uh, you would, you know, go to, you know, on a, on a field trip, you know, with the kids and stuff. Somebody would say, do you have a, do you have a Band-Aid? Nobody has a Band-Aid. Rhonda does, <laughs> you know. Some guy, and this is true, this guy got bit by something, and he was having a reaction to it, and he was swelling up, you know. And somebody said, do you have, anybody have anything for this, you know, and Rhonda had some Benadryl. So she gave him the Benadryl, and he was, when he got here, they took him right to the hospital, and they told him at the hospital if he'd not had that Benadryl, he probably died. Nobody had Benadryl. Rhonda has Benadryl. (laughs) So... As you're going, God is there with us. He is walking alongside of us. He is walking in us. He's working in us. He's already at our destiny. He knows all of the sins that we've ever committed. He knows all the failures we're going to have in the future. And, he do- and it doesn't affect his love towards us one bit. It is impossible for God to have a negative thought about you. He doesn't have any. God does not have one negative thought about you. He always sees what we can become, and he's always working in our life to bring about. And see, it's the, the, his word and his spirit working together. The, one of the areas I was going to talk about was learning and studying. Okay? See, you study something, you gain knowledge and understanding, you have not learned it. Study is the, uh, the application of it. This is according to the dictionary, okay? I was, this was one of those little things you click on, you go off two, three side things. So 
Anyhow, you learn, you learn, you have the driver's manual that you are learning, and then you have the driving, which is the study, which is the application of what you have learned in the manual to doing. Now, we learn the scriptures. We study them. We, 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 well, excuse me, we learn the scripture. I want to stick on that one. We learn the scriptures. We read them. We see the context that they were written. We see how that God was at work in other people's lives. And we have all this in front of us. Now, studying says, okay, I'm going to take that thought and I'm going to bring it over here and I'm going to drive with it. I'm going to live with it. I'm going to incorporate what that faith was in that person's life. I've I've learned it. Now I'm going to study how that works in, my, in me. You know, that's the driver's manual. I'm going to make the application. I'm going to put on the gas. I'm going to push on the brake. I'm going to put on a turn signal. All those things were in the book, but this is the application. And in our lives as Christians, we can know what the Bible says. We've learned. But where we need to recognize is how that, what we've learned, applies to my life. You know, two plus three equals five. Simple equation. Three minus two equals one. So if I have five dollars and uh, I go to the store and it costs three bucks, I have five, I take away three, I come home with two. Now, in the book, it's in the classroom, in the store, it is the study. So now I am called upon as a, my obligation before God, my obligation before God is that I have heard, learned that it says I am a child of God, that I am joint heirs with Christ, that nothing is impossible with God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We get all these things across the panel, across the book. We have the scripture. We have them there. Now we take those things. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. My faith is saying, God, you promised you'd never leave me nor forsake me when I feel lonely. I've now studied that effect in my life. God, you say that I am a child of yours. And that my obligation to you, it makes you, it, it pleases God for us to understand that I am his son and daughter. And he was willing to die for me to have this position. He was willing to die that I could have this place in him. So my obligation is not to make him happy and, and do all the laws and all this because the laws can never change the heart. God has come that his spirit would come into our hearts and his spirit would change us from the inside out. He would make us anew. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. My old life is dead. My sins are gone. I have a new future because this tells me here, all that I have been looking at and learning, I now bring it into the part of my life where I am studying. <laughs> I am now bringing this to pass inside of me where I am his child. <sighs> God is going to do a new thing. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God is alive. <laughs> 
and he desires for us to live with him. The God who is all about us, he is as much present here as he is on the moon in the furthest point of the solar system. He is as present there as he is here. He's as present there as he is in China. He's as present in China as he is in here because he's here in my life. And the Holy Spirit is the one who brings this into my life. And as I look around me, I see God. When I look into the eyes of God, I see that he loves me. When I look at a cre- as I look at the sunset and see its beauty, I know that God loves me that I can behold that beauty. When I look at the snow and the rain and all those things, I see God refreshing and God healing and God restoring. People don't have that sight. Not, not all people have that sight, but God sees it differently than we do. He doesn't see it as a failure. He sees it as a way that he can teach us where we can learn and then apply the study of his word to our life that I can walk with him. I can be his child. I can be his friend. God's doing a new thing. He's enabling me to see him in everything around me. He's allowing me, opening my eyes, that I may behold him and his glory and his blessing. And my obligation is to recognize that I am his child, I am his son and his daughter. And in this place of oneness with God, I can be the person that God called me to be, living the life that I am now in, accomplishing his purpose that he will give me the strength to live and to do and to be, no matter what the obstacle is. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand. So be it, Lord. (laughs) So be it, God. We thank you. God is going to do a new thing. (laughs) You know? New thing. (laughs) A new thing. Father, we thank you. Lord, if we have sinned, we ask your forgiveness. God, we need your forgiveness. We can't start this. We can't be a Christian without your forgiveness. We can't enter into this relationship without recognizing you are the God who blesses and restores us and you have a purpose for our life. And so, Lord, we confess our sins and we ask you to forgive us and live within our hearts. And in this place of forgiveness, Lord, we find this place of relationship, that we are sons and daughters of God. And that in this place of being your child, Lord, you walk with us as friend with friend, as father and son, as teacher, as leader, as one who blesses us. So God, teach us your ways. Do not allow us to be caught up in our laws of trying to make you happy. God, let us be caught up in our obligation of recognizing that we are your child and we are blessed. Blessed beyond measure. We thank you for this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you.